Hi, Scott Hansen, Allworth Financial. This is our State of the Industry podcast. I've got Chris Adi. He's the CFO of Allworth Financial. We're going to be talking about M&A, what happened last year, what's happening right now, what we expect to see in the future. So, Chris, thanks for taking a little time to join me today. Thanks, Scott. And um, first of all, like, where are we at? What happened last year as far as uh, transactions? Well, as you know, Scott, last year was massive, right? There were over 500 deals done last year in this industry. Um, so, And the prior year, 2019, there was 439 deals. So you can see a real pickup. And actually, so it's about a, almost 20% increase. That's right, yeah. And if you go all the way back to 2000, there was 141 deals. So um, you can see kind of over time how the industry's progressed. And, and we're really now, um, you know, in that, we're already now in that kind of quick aggregation uh, period. So it's, it's exciting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if we continue to accelerate at the same pace for the next few years. Yeah. I mean, and, and as you know, you know, it's been, it's been really, uh, really busy over the past sort of, sort of three months or so um, real pickup. So uh, it's, it doesn't look like it's slowing at this point. Yeah. And all worth, we've done a dozen or so deals. We've had firms merge in with us. Um, and I, sometimes we get labeled, labeled an aggregator, whatever, there are what 15 or 20 firms kind of doing what we're doing right now, would you say some larger, some smaller? That's right. I think, um, you know, there's probably, you know, under 10, I would say with a platform kind of capabilities like, you know, like Allworth. Uh, and then there are some smaller players as well, kind of, you know, coming up, building out that M and a platform. Um, because obviously that, you know, that's driving a lot of value uh, in the firms. And what have we seen as far as what's been driving the valuation? What have we seen as far as valuation? Well, I mean, I, I think so. It, it, it kind of starts with the, these, as you say, these kind of aggregator firms, the firms that have that platform that where they're capable of, of acquiring multiple firms, um, you know, acquiring kind of at pace. Uh, those firms, the values of those firms has gone up significantly. And as those firms value has gone up and the interest in those firms, um, you know, from, from strategic players and other large, you know, large private equity firms, as their value has increased, that's driving the valuations as well up, um, you know, on, on the kind of next tier down and, and it kind of cascades down through the, through the industry. So, you know, what you see at that kind of hundred, hundred million to, uh, you know, billion uh, AUM, you know, RIA out there. You've seen their their values have grown significantly um, over the past kind of, especially over the past five years. And so, what like, what's kind of a multi? And let's talk about EBITDA, right? Earning before interest taxes. I hope we don't have to explain EBITDA to financial advisors. But um, if if we look at uh, like, a, 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 let's talk about an RIA that's got hundred to two hundred million under assets uh, under management. What kind of multiple? might they trade for? Um, you know, I mean, I, I think it partly depends on the partner and the mix, obviously the, the mix of consideration, but you're probably talking somewhere between, um, you know, a sort of six to seven X multiple up to kind of eight, eight and a half X multiple. Yeah. Even, and five years ago, it might've been half of that, right? I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, been, it's really fascinating because the, the, a lot of advisories firms, the, first of all, the revenue is driven by the assets they manage. The stock market's gone through the roof, right? So their right. assets they manage are way up. Well, that, that goes right to the bottom line. And so what we've seen this multiple expansion in the stock market, right? The PE ratio, uh, ratios are way up. And we're seeing multiple expansion in our industry as well. It's kind of a, 
a twofer right now. It is. So, yeah, exactly. So overall, the valuations of these firms is much stronger. And then the other really exciting component, I think, for, um, you know, for, for firms and for owners that are looking to potentially, you know, go through a transaction is the ability to roll over equity, you know, into one of these platform companies. Because uh, in the same way, their valuations may be going up from a multiple perspective and also from an AUM perspective, but they're not able to get necessarily that growth from the acquisition side. And so if they roll over equity into a platform player, you know, a firm like Allworth and the other firms in this space that, that really have those capabilities, they're able to get that rollover equity. The value of that over time, you know, over one, two, three years can, can grow significantly. And so overall, how much consideration they, you know, they, they gain from a transaction could be significantly more than what they think when they're actually going yeah. through the transaction. Well, and I think that sometimes people talk about uh, two bites at the apple, right? You get right. Your yeah. first bite, and then <laughs> hopefully the next bite's even bigger. And um, uh, that's I mean, very true. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that. We've seen that um, uh, with a variety of different transactions where that's been the case. And uh, do you see what? What do you see as the motivation right now for advisors compared to if we've got? Four times as many deals being done today as we did twenty years ago. What's driving that? I I think I think that the advisors are realizing that you know there is significant opportunity in that rollover equity. I think that you know we're all kind of getting smarter and understanding now how how this how this game plays out and the second bite of the apple, as you say, Scott. Uh, so you know I think I think that's a big driver. I think also obviously we all know that the stock market has continued to grow over the past kind of 10 years and um, you know especially over the last few years I think you know now is a really is probably considered in some for some people you know now's a good time from a just overall market perspective. And then you also have obviously the demographics in the industry um, you know it's no, it's no secret uh, that you know many of the owners of the businesses today will at some point need to transition out of the industry, and you know it's important that they kind of get ahead of that um, and make sure that they find you know a good kind of home for their clients and their their teams. And as CFO, you look at you see a lot of potential deals, right? So <laughs> we've got a team that talks to different firms. Firms reach out to us or whatnot. Um, not every firm's the right fit for us, right? So there's some initial screening before we get too far down. But then we get to some point where we're starting to share some financial information back and forth. Uh, and then sometimes those, oftentimes those firms that it's not the right fit or whatnot. But when you're looking at the financial firms, what are some things that advisors can do today so that they're better in a better position should they entertain a conversation, an offer from a firm like Allworth or one of the other um, firms that are doing the acquisitions? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think the first thing is to make sure that they're doing everything they can to run the business as, as, as best as possible. And that means, you know, if, if there's a good, uh, you know, if, if there's a sensible place to invest money, they should do that. They shouldn't hold back on investments, think that they need to kind of trim the P&L down, you know, save sort of cut back on costs ahead of evaluation because when it comes to valuation- They don't we, need to, you're saying? No, they don't. They should be- And you're talking about investments, you're talking about investments in the business, hiring somebody, buying some technology or whatever. Exactly, exactly. Because ultimately, if that business is performing well, it's going to drive a stronger multiple, it's going to drive a stronger valuation. If there's one-time expenses in the business, you know, through a certain investment, as you say, Scott, in technology or, um, you know, in, in some kind of marketing- 
you know, we we will and other other parties will look at that as a kind of, you know, one term investments. And so it won't it's not going to hurt them when it comes to the overall valuation of the firm. It's more important that they focus on driving the growth uh, in the business. Yeah, I think I, I think that's something that's often kind of uh, overlooked and not really real. I think a lot of people think, well, if I'm going to sell the business, I really ought to focus on getting my costs as low as possible to maximize my earnings so that I can go to the market and say, look how much my earnings are. But exactly. You're saying, I'm saying that's that just one thing to look at. You should. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes when you talk to third parties, whether it's attorneys or bankers, they may give you a different answer. But I think, you know, when it comes from a buyer, that's actually not, you know, not how they'll look at it. They're much more likely, you know, assuming that they're a um, fairly sophisticated buyer, they will strip out those things. I think what what's important is, oh, you know, there is a concept of operating leverage. And so understanding kind of what your fixed costs and your variable costs are and ensuring that, you know, your business is a, um, you know, is kind of has some has some strength when it comes to that mix of fixed versus variable to in order to, you know, uh, kind of weather downturns and, you know, and be flexible uh, if needed when it comes to investments. And that's that's an important component. Yeah, because you you mentioned that the multiple is somewhere you said six to eight is like six to seven, maybe even as high as eight, depending. Right. So. That's that's a that's a thirty three percent increase from six to eight is pretty substantial difference in price, right? Right. And right. so the things that are going to drive that up to thirty three percent premium, let's let's say, are are what? Yeah. So I mean, one is growth, right? So if the business is a growing business, uh, has strong organic. But how many growth, advisory firms are growing out there? The majority are not. Yeah. Right. Uh, Sands market, right? You take out the market and there's really not Right. Much so growth. that's a big differentiator if you see that uh, when it comes to the valuation. The other piece is recurring revenue streams versus, you know, kind of non-recurring. That's a big Commission deal. versus fee-based. Huge deal. Right. Exactly. And um, it's really recurring revenue more so than, I don't think we care if it's uh, some annuity trail fees that are coming in that someone sold a product 15 years ago. Or an REA fee. We don't, although those can be de- more likely to be declining trails, right? Versus, yeah, because you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it's more. It's it's all about that recurring revenue stream and how that is, you know, how how that is playing out. Um, the other thing is client concentration risk. So, you know, businesses that um, you know have relatively low client concentration risk as well as advisor concentration risk. Um, you know, will will have a premium to to those that have kind of a heavy reliance on you know one or two advisors or a heavy reliance on one or two. Yeah. Clients. So a small practice that has hundred million under management, one client's got forty million, another client's got twenty million, and hundred clients make up the rest. Exactly. And 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 the and the client that you know has the forty million is the brother of right. the advisor. Right. You know that that creates. And we uh, see stuff like that quite often, right? <laughs> yeah, that creates some risk. Yeah. And uh, that they're not going to get the premium multiple for something That's like correct. that. Maybe yeah. discounted even, right? Right. And the typical structure um, uh, for a lot of the deals that are happening today, uh, what do we see out there? I mean, I kind of, I, I mean, all worth, we tend to do something to the effect of uh, a, a portion up front, um, uh, a portion of stock up front, and the rest of consideration typically 12 months out. We might go 24 months f- for some other uh, dependent circumstances, but it's typically within a 12-month period, right? That's right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the industry is typically kind of up to th- sort of three years. Uh, and, and often they're, you know, often those kind of earn out pieces, which are in that kind of year two, year three, are likely to be tied to EBITDA. Um, as you know, Scott, we typically 
you know, tie ours um, to revenue uh, because we kind of want to make sure that we're investing in the business. And Yeah, and I think a lot of, well, uh, some of the aggregators out there, they look at all these businesses as little silos and the earnouts based upon how well that advisor can do growing that, that practice for the next two to three years. Right? That's right. And uh, I think I'm just speaking from my standpoint, I, I don't like that structure at all because there's misalignment. Um, that advisor is going to do whatever's best for that advisor and the firm that he, he or she sold. That's going to, they're not going to be they care less really about what the overall organization is doing. They might care, but economics are going to win because economics are structured that way. So I think that our deals, we, we want to have alignment as soon as possible yeah. with our advisors and all worth where we're headed, right? As an organization. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, we've seen that that's, that's been a really important part of how do we drive that organic growth kind of, you know, sort of straight away. We don't have to kind of wait till post that earnout period um, to, to start seeing, you know, a pickup um, in those investments. Yeah. And um, I know at least a firm like ours, we look for full integration. Um, I, I mean, part of our value properly is an advisor can come merge in with us, being a, be able to diversify substantially, make sure their family's well taken care of going forward, make sure their clients are well taken care of, their staff's well taken care of, and then they can go back to being an advisor again if they'd like to do that or something else if they'd want to do that or retire if they want to do that. But it's about fully integrating and becoming part of Allworth team where we're in the process of having a, growing a national firm where we have a very consistent client experience uh, regardless of what advisor they work with. But there's a, other firms out there have very different structures. Is that right? That's right, they do. And I think... Um, you know, where the real value to to those teams as well as they come in is is ultimately probably going to be in them integrating into the firms. I believe you know, so it's the same them following the we're all following the same approach, working in the same team with the same um, you know the same support structure. I think, uh, as you say, some of the aggregators it's it, they they're not doing that, and and it's easier. Maybe it's easier uh, from a transition perspective for people to feel like, okay, I, you know, there's no change day one um, to come in. But then ultimately, you know, how do you sort of work work together and how do you drive value together is probably going to need to come from an integration at some point in the future. And I, I think, you know, those aggregators, the, there is a question mark as to how do they prize out that value over time. It's, it could potentially you know, be, be challenging and, and there could be some breakage along the way. Now there's a large Canadian firm that was, did a bunch of deals in 2020. Yeah. And, and probably maybe announced one by the time we get this thing, just this podcast distributed. Um, and they're paying, seem to be paying, do you, do you have any idea what they're doing? Like from a, from a CFO standpoint, like what's that game they're playing? Cause it seems like they're paying top dollar, not integrating. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, they're publicly traded now. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately, there is there is value in scale, and there is opportunity there. I think you know how the, how that all comes together is still a question in my mind, and so there's there's significant kind of risk associated with that strategy versus a kind of you know a a fully kind of organized integration. Um, plan uh, and and kind of openness up front uh, about that, but I you know I, I just I, I don't I don't kind of yeah I don't know Scott enough about that model, but I think um, you know we all have kind of different different kind of different ideas on this, and as you know we went we went to the market you know with our with our business strategy 
Uh, this year went through a recapitalization. Market obviously, you know, looked very fondly upon upon our approach, uh, and it's you know it's obviously driving some strong EBITDA and strong enterprise value growth. Well, I guess that's what the market said. Didn't it? <laughs> yeah, so, and if if you're if you're if you had an older brother who was fifty five and an advisor, what would you recommend that? Let's say an advisor with a couple employees and a couple million bucks in revenue. Would you advise him from a finance? If your goal is to help increase his finances, would you advise him to sell now and join someone like ours? Or, it, you know, if, if he was in that kind of stereo sort of typical group of advisors where they've, you know, built a book over time, uh, the book is not significantly growing right now. Um, you know, yes, absolutely. 98% of advisors? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And it's really hard to grow. I mean, you get to a certain point. I totally understand it. It gets very challenging. Um, yeah, I think, you know, you've really, if, if you're not growing, but if you're not growing organically, uh, you know, double digits and you're not driving growth through M&A, then there is an opportunity to put your, uh, you know, your investment capital uh, you know, into another firm and get a get a higher return on it. So, I, for me, I would advise them to do that because there's, as you know, Scott, there's a really exciting opportunity out there for the platform players. Yeah, so they can take some chips off the table, roll some equity, and down the road they'll be much further ahead than if they could continued independent. Exactly. Exactly. Substantially more so. Yeah. Than many as but I, and I I actually wouldn't focus as much on the on the valuation um, as I would on that rollover equity component of it um, and, and the you know the expectation there of that value which you know I think it was I think I mentioned this before but you know if you think about it from if you're looking if you're getting advice from you know a banker or a lawyer or some of these other third parties they're going to be focused on helping you get the the best valuation today today but they are unlikely to be focused on the cultural fit and the uh, the value of that equity over time, which you know, in my opinion, those the la- the last two of those three things are probably the most important. And if you look at uh, even our the experience of the, those firms that merged in with us, in in many circumstances, the equity that they rolled over became worth more than than the check they got when they sold the majority of their company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of them, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apart yeah. from apart from the last two that that uh, that came you know, in just one be, month just, before. Yeah, I came in a month before, but even them, they, even they had a yeah, if valuing the the equity. So it's I mean, it it is an interesting time. And you you came from the insurance uh, brokerage space, That's right. Before you joined us, which is one of the reasons you wanted to join, right? So 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 Chris was uh, Chris was with the uh, large one of those massive. Roll-ups, essentially, in the insurance industry, right? Insurance brokerage. Yeah. Uh, and you saw the value with firms, multi-billion-dollar revenue. Some of these firms, and a handful of those firms in that industry, and saw the same thing starting to play out in this space. And that's what attracted you to come join Allworth, right? Exactly. It's this. It's um. You know, it's really exciting because it's for me. It's a, it's really the same playbook that's played out over the past ten years. Uh, in the insurance space, it's just just playing out now in the wealth management space. Um, and uh, you know, wealth management, I I say this to everyone, right? It's just an amazing business model. Um, and so you know, you take that and you and and you together with the overall kind of what's happening in the industry and the opportunity um, to drive value for for clients and and associates as and, and obviously 
um, you know, other partners and strategic uh, strategic players in the industry. It's just it's just a really great time to be a to be a CFO or to be somebody in management. Yeah. And what do you th- what do you see uh, this year looking like for M and A? Well, uh, you know, it's been it's been more <laughs> it's been busier than ever. Uh, you know, sort of over the just just kicking off the year and towards the end of last year. Um, I don't see that. I don't see that sort of that that stopping. To be honest, in 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 the near future at this point i think you know obviously if if there's a if if there's a you know a wobble in the market uh you know i think that will have some impact uh, in terms of probably an acceleration um of increasing you know interest from sort of smaller businesses to to consolidate and, and to, to look for partners i think um you know if there's a kind of longer um, dip in the market, more of a sort of downturn, um, then that then that's going to drive probably, um, you know, some some maybe moderate slowdown. I don't see anything dramatic. I think overall the kind of the 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 kind of foundations of, of what's happening here are are too strong. But I do think that it could have could have a little bit of an impact. It might you know just tighten in terms of the capital markets a bit, and so some of the dry powder that. Um, that the big, larger players have, you know, might might kind of, uh, you know, dry up a little bit. But uh, otherwise, I think um, you know it's going to be a really strong year again for yeah. for this. It feels that way to me as well. So it's interesting times. I think it's pretty exciting times, particularly if, uh, I mean, I, I I certainly obviously have uh, biased towards our model, but I mean, our, our model is really about p- great building a great national company, serving the middle class millionaire where they have a similar client experience regardless of where they're located, which doesn't really, there's not too many firms that do that right now. And it's not just about, which is it would, even in our M&A process, there's a lot of firms that just don't, just don't, right, they're not the right kind of fit for us, right? Culturally, they're just not, yeah, they that's view the right. world differently. Yeah. Maybe the majority of firms probably don't fit what we're looking for, but. Right. And I think from a client perspective, you know, that integrated service model that we can provide um, you know, is important. And I think, you know, so if you're just aggregating smaller firms and, and there is no change for the clients, then, you know, in some ways that's probably a bit of a, in my, my mind, it's, uh, you know, they're missing out on something. Yeah. Well, I think we provide, our, 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 our platform can provide some fantastic service and people still have that, uh, feel, the clients are still have a feeling of a small time, like a kind of a small office that they work with the way we have our team structure but yet have the whole organization providing lots of services for them so yeah it's pretty cool so anyway thanks chris for taking a little time uh and if you would like to learn more about allworth financial love to have a conversation with you go to allworthpartners.com it's a special web uh, page that we set up for allworth uh, financial for people that are interested in being part of us and at, at that web page we've got uh Lots of different uh, uh, tools on there. We've got some videos on there with some of the partners that have joined us. They're talking about what their experience is, some other podcasts. So I think it's worth your while to, to, to check it out. So, hey, have a great year. It's going to be a great one. So talk to you later. This podcast has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm with the Securities and Exchange Commission.